clarity with oneself, being able to put that into a, in what we call a one-page plan, and then letting your people, your team members decide how they're going to contribute to that success. That's it's not you, it's them. They have to do it. Welcome to Find Your Yellow Tux. I'm Jesse Cole, a baseball team owner turned showman, turning my back on the status quo. This is the show for people creating their own path. It's showtime. Excited to have Arnie Malham, who was CJ Advertising, great book, Worth Doing Wrong, and the founder of the Better Book Club with us here today. And Arnie, just kind of share, your whole book is about the quest to build a culture. Just share a little bit about your story and how you started building this amazing culture at CJ Advertising. Well, I like I like your opening story better. It makes me sound pretty darn good. That's <laughs> a lot of accolades there of, of opportunities. And that... You know, CJ Advertising is is an ad agency, and that's exciting. Uh, it, it's glamorous. There's TV shows about it. Uh, people want to hang out with in ad agencies. This ad agency uh, does work for one unique uh, type of business: uh, personal injury lawyers. Getting people to come to work at what they think is a cool agency, and then they find out the work we do is for personal injury lawyers led us down a path of creating a culture worth talking about. And that culture, in turn, gave us back a business worth talking about. And so it was out of necessity. So in the beginning, when you started, was it just people didn't want to work for you? How did this happen? Yeah, I mean, the, everyone will work for someone. But but <laughs> I had very talented people tell me, I don't want you on my resume. And and they don't want me on my resume because that's not – they were they're, they're designers, they're web developers, they're, copy, they're content writers – uh, they are there are people who whose creative is their life and personal injury. You know, it's like it's like Maverick and Top Gun. You know, you, your family ain't got the best name in the business, son. And so it was it was we had to create something worth talking about because you're you, you're competing with other businesses. And when your team members go to the bar or church or a restaurant and they're talking with friends about what they do, you're competing with what those other people do in the environment they have in their workplace. So, so where did you get the inspiration? I mean, everyone says we got to have a great culture. We got a great culture, and your book talks about numerous ideas. Did you just start trying things, or did you start learning from other companies? How did it start? Yes, the answer is yes. But it started with John DeJulius, uh, the great customer service expert, operates out of Cleveland, does does customer service uh, conferences, has written multiple books, great speaker, fun guy, uh, and he. I brought him in to speak. To our clients at one of our at one of our conferences, and he was telling them about customer service. And his message was that if you have bad customer service, it starts with you. You're the leader. You're the CEO. And I immediately transformed that message to if you've not got the culture you want, if you're complaining about your culture, the problem is you. You are the leader of your culture, and it can't be wrong unless you're wrong. I finally got it through my head that if I wanted a culture that worked, I had to make changes. I had to begin trusting people, try things I hadn't done, be willing to put uh, my reputation on the line for what I believed in in a business and not what I feared in a business. That's brilliant. So you looked, you looked yourself in the mirror, you realized you had to start, and you, you come back to the office, this company that you've built, and what is the first thing you do? Do you start telling your team, we're going to change our culture? How do you do this for someone that's just starting out? Yeah, it's, yeah that's probably the, you know, 
A-list number one, don't do. Tell people you're going to change your culture. Change your culture. Start making decisions where you trust people more. You let them. You you create opportunities for them to grow. You create opportunities for them to fail, and you cheer for them and cheer for them and cheer for them. That's that's the mentality. Is how can I make my team members successful? The more successful they are, the more successful I'll be. How do I trust them more and keep tabs on them less? How do I give them the tools they need to grow? How do I make them feel like the most important people in the shop? It's not watch not what you see, or watch not what you say, but watch what you do and follow that. Yeah. So give an example when, when you started. I mean, I love how your book opens. And if you haven't got the book, you have to. It is perfect for a culture. But you give like three or four pages on all the ideas and the things that you've started to do. And some worked, some didn't work. What were the things that resonated first? And that when you talk with other companies, they're like, yes, we need to do that. Everyone wants to create a, a better book club. Every, everyone wants that to work because they realize that the more books they put in the brains of their people, the smarter they get. And the smarter they get, the better their company gets. But they want to do it the wrong way. They want to tell people what to read and then, and then try to hold them accountable to reading it. That's a really scary word for people that don't like it. They don't like being told what to do. And so what we have to convince them of, they all say, yeah, I want to do a book club. And we have to convince them of is do a book club, but take off all the guardrails. Let people read what they want. Reward them from reading. Keep up with what they're reading. Call people together based on what they're reading, but never tell them they have to read. So let's so it's pieces like that. Let's unpack that because the Better Book Club is something that we've started with our business, and it's an amazing, amazing platform. Can you just explain how that started? And I know the story, but share it with our listeners and yeah. then kind of share where it's come. Yeah, it's it started with my wife saying, hey, I got two shelves of books in my house and I don't want them in my house anymore. And I'm like, I, I know, but I like keeping up with what I've read. I like that's those are my that's my trophy case. Like I've read those books. That knowledge is in my brain and I'll forget if I don't see the cover. And she said, that's great. You can see the cover somewhere else. Hand them to me in a box. I was like, hmm, brought them to work and thought, hey, I got an idea. I'm going to put them on the shelf at work. Other people in the in my in my team will read these books and we'll think alike. We'll think more alike at least. Well, no one touched the books. They <laughs> they they you know books are are school lessons. Books are things you don't you don't want to be told to do it. You don't want to have to do it. And you're certainly not going to volunteer to do it in most cases. And so I came up with this crazy idea. I got a little frustrated and I took each book and I wrote on the inside cover a number. And I and a number was 25, 50, 75, or 100. I told my team if you read this book. I will pay you that amount of money. And that borned Better Book Club. We pay people to read. Over the years, the library has grown. Our budgets have grown. We have spent over $100,000 paying team members to read books. And it is the best investment ever in the history of educating and training your people. $100 to read Outliers is absorbed in a way that's very different from attending a conference that's a plane ride and two hotel nights and a lot of cocktails away and it does more good for the individual and, and i love it and, and it's grown now i mean how many companies have become a part of this better book club hundreds and hundreds of companies we're in 37 countries we're in all but six states in the u.s uh i've never told the story of better book club that a ceo didn't say i want to do that doing it saying you want to do something and doing it are two different things but thou hundreds and hundreds of companies have adopted it 
keeping it going is the problem. It's like a lot of good ideas. You start them, but can you finish them? Yes, and I want to dive in on that because we, as soon as I heard about the Better Book Club, I got on it. I set it up. At our staff chat that morning, we all came together. I said what we're doing as an avid reader myself, and I think most founders are avid readers. So I had hundreds of books. I told them all about it. They were shocked. They were like, we're getting paid to read, and it came a bad out. I mean, they just started killing it. I mean, reading a couple books a month, and yeah. then all of a sudden, we got to our season here and it yeah. stopped and we got to August and I said, all right, guys, we're going to double it up, double up, whatever they're worth. You're going to get 50 bucks for, you know, $25. And we got a little, you know, strength, but then it slowed down again. What have you seen, Arnie, that gets it back up and creates that culture? Well, it, it I, you know, everything they read becomes now part of your of your team members collective conscious. And don't be discouraged i would argue don't be discouraged by it slowing down the turtle wins the race a nice steady flow of books into the brains of your people will do as much for you as a bunch of fast ones anyway you know you come back from a conference there's too much to implement at once and so i wouldn't get discouraged by it slowing down but i would keep the at least the flow going with incentives like you said you can double incentives at different times the, the more you recognize and and reward and the recognition is the bigger part of that equation it's much more important than the reward. It's the recognition, how you uh, show that off in your office, how many notes you send back to your team members who have, who have absorbed the books, how much encouragement you give them, how much uh, competitiveness you set up in your office. These are all ways, depending on your environment, to get people to grab one more book. The recommendations that you make, yeah. uh, not, not, not requests, just, hey, I read this and I thought of you kind of, kind of an approach. On their anniversary, hey, here's the books you've read. In the last year, what do you tell me what you're going to read next year? It's little points like that. Having your managers approve the uh, reports as opposed to you is a good way to get everyone involved and to make sure that your managers are also uh, towing, the, towing the line as well in terms of absorption. Now, do you recognize your people in person? I mean, how big is your uh, agency now? Uh, the agency is 60 people okay. uh, is, is our is our ad agency. Now, and do yeah, you bring we, people together? Yeah. Yeah, we'll do, you know, the... the the, uh, I think it's every two months we do a book club meeting where people come together and, and not like most places talk about one book, but each person takes five to six minutes, put them on a timer, to talk about the book they read. And that's that's a great way to people get exposure to other books and other ideas. Uh, we have a big board outside that lists everyone that's that's participating and in, in what they've accomplished. We do it at staff meetings. We recognize people who have hit certain milestones. Uh, I send personal notes on their anniversary. It's all those things to encourage that sort of that constant thought about learning. Love it. And with recognition, I think that's something that most companies just aren't doing enough. They're working in the day, they're putting out fires, they're not recognizing people. You've set up some of the, the peer recognition program, which I love. I feel like most owners, the good ones, will recognize their people, but are they getting recognized by their peers? And talk about the program you've set up. Well, it's it's it is absolutely a bit of priority. So first person that when you start here, you get a stack of cards thank you cards and your job is to get rid of those cards is to pass them out to the people and you notice it immediately when you walk in because you'll see these cards that have been given by their their peers to each other and they're hanging throughout their their desk area and their office areas they are more proud of those uh, peer-to-peer recognitions than they are anything i do for them i, I uh, think but we yeah 
I think we make word, it part of it. So yeah, that's brilliant. I, and I think the word you just said, which I'm noticing more than anything, is you said proud. And how have you realized to make people feel proud in your office? Are there other things that you've done? Because I know I see young people, they call their parents, they're calling people when something great happens to them. Mm -hmm. How do you create a culture where your people are feeling proud every day? Well, proud, proud is a place you're, 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 like I said, you're willing to tell other people about. And so we create what we, what we are quote unquote remarkable events worth remarking about. Uh, we create events for them to be recognized here. We create events to get them talking about their workplace at home. The, the program we have where we send home a birthday card for them with, that has a $50 gift certificate so that they get it at home, they open it in front of their family, but also their spouse. We send our team member spouses $50 a birthday gift certificates on their birthday saying happy birthday, thanks Love for it. letting your, your partner work here. And that gets opened in the home and we get a conversation about how good work is as opposed to how bad work is. And then the, the, the coup de grace is when we send that same card and gift certificate to their kids. Uh, where they have one kid or six kids, I'm sending each of them a, a uh, happy birthday card with a gift certificate in it again. So we have something good to talk about at home about their work and not something bad. That's brilliant. In, in your book, you, you talk about communication a lot, too. And you said most companies are not communicating at all. How have you seen that and how have you changed that as a founder of a company? Wow. You 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 all of us think all of us people, all of us little business owners who think we're we're, we're the smartest guys in the world and everyone and everyone of course knows X, Y, and Z and your team doesn't know because either you never told them or they forgot. And so it is a system. From day one, uh, a team member gets here, they get a they get what's called a 60-day checklist and it's all the stuff that, that over the years you've heard, hey, no one ever told me that. You put it on the checklist. You make sure they know where how to use the copier how their email works what happens when something goes wrong what do you do after hours uh what is the uh how does the human resources benefits work all the things that someone goes no one ever told me that you start by telling them in the first place uh, on day one through 60. the second thing is that it's constant reminders that we send out a, a, a two or three times a month short not long short messages about things that are critical uh, to our success. And there could be little things about upcoming social events that we want people to participate in or, or, or clients that are coming into town. Or it could be terms and definitions because, because you don't understand what this department's doing because you don't use those terms and definitions. And so we, we focus on short, repetitive messages that, that get people to understand a broader sense. And, and we never stop communicating. We, we have huddles uh, in, that, that where we meet on, on uh, two or three times a week and stand and talk about what's going on with our day. Uh, we have in-depth meetings where we where we go deep into one topic and never let it stray to two. Uh, we have staff meetings where we bring everybody together and celebrate our success. So it's all it's a rhythm. Every company has a rhythm, whether whether it's once a year or or once a day. But the rhythm is key. Love it. Now you mentioned. Your repeatable actions. Are there certain things that you always are repeating in your office or your leaders are repeating to kind of build that into their people? Well, if, if uh, core values comes to mind, because one of the mistakes that I'll write about in the book that we made is that I, I was running three different companies in, out of one building. <clears throat> and I think one of the things we have tended to repeat most is around our core values. It's, it's, it's about making sure that everyone knows growth is part of their daily routine and that and that optimism and confidence and respect, those 
our core values, any company's core values get forgotten so fast and dropped. And if you ask half the team what they are, most of them can't tell you. Uh, so it, 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 I think that is our most repeated sort of process. But it's also the title of the book, which is worth doing wrong. I constantly have people talking about, hey, A or B, and the answer is it doesn't matter. Do one of them and let's see if it works or not. And so, you know, not you know, rewarding people for failure is a huge part of what they hear over and over again and cheering for uh, both good decisions and bad decisions equally because both get you where you want to go. 100%. But my question is, how do you get people to buy into the core values? I mean, they join the company first day, you share the yeah. core values. How do they really start displaying it? Well, you got to back up. You need to back up to the, the not the first day they join the company, but the process of adjoining them to your company. And so we we believe we've built a culture that repels or attracts, but it starts on day one. You walk into our lobby, you see a giant poster of how much training we do for our people. You see huge uh, opportunities to celebrate our victories for the year uh, and to celebrate our people. And you see that we welcome dogs and kids and you see a smiling face. All that's a part of attracting the right people. You, we are we are a rah-rah culture. We rock people. We clap. We cheer. We encourage. If that turns you off, you will not work here. We put you through a rigorous job interview uh, that starts with group interviews. And if you say, hey, I I'm not into group interviews, then great. You're not going to work out here. Then it goes to, to one-on-one. Then it goes to a half day or sometimes a full day with the team. If you're not a cultural fit, you're not getting through the door. And it's not even my choice. It's yours. Wow, how so long is the process? It, that that the process I just described is probably a two to four week process depending on the position. Wow, outstanding. So if you're growing these people, you I mean, what other things? I'm just trying to think that you do that is a little different and unique. I mean, everything with this podcast is people that are standing out, businesses that are standing out. What other things in your culture that are standing out other than the Better Book Club that's resonating with other companies? Well, I I think that. Um, High on that list, uh, high on that list is is just how we or how what our office looks like. We give tours. Uh, Nashville is a very popular destination, mm -hmm. uh, but when when folks I know come to Nashville, they often uh, business friends will bring other business associates and we'll do a tour. What your space physically looks like, and and you don't always have control of that, but it 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 can resonate what you're repeating. It can resonate how you want people to feel and act, uh, and so what the space looks like. The other thing. That we've done that I've seen other companies replicating is is the concept of it's not where you are it's what you do and not getting caught up with who's at the desk when but the work they're doing and so we we are we practice and when I say practice I mean we we are we, we haven't gotten it perfect but we practice row which is results only work, work environment. environment and it doesn't matter I don't care when people get here I don't care when they leave I don't care if you're at your desk now or you take a four-hour lunch or you don't come in at all is your work getting done and so that is a practice i think that it that, it, that it, uh, gives people that it makes them feel trusted makes them feel empowered uh, and makes them feel in control and it's been a huge win for us and again i'm guessing that comes down to complete clarity on the job probably most business owners aren't exactly clear what they want to see done from the results and but would you argue that some founders are still trying to figure it out yeah, they, they haven't even figured out what their vision for the company is. So it starts with, do you have a clear vision for your company? How do you break down that vision into actionable steps for each department that are that are that are three to five year goals, one year goals, quarterly goals, monthly goals, today's goals? It starts with with the, the BHAG for the entire business. And some owner, most owners, 
that's probably not right. Many owners <laughs> have not yet even decided that. And so clarity with oneself, being able to put that into a, in what we call a one-page plan, uh, uh, all these ideas are stolen, but, but, but into a one-page plan that you can then break down into, into actionable goals and then letting your people, your team members decide how they're going to contribute to that success. That's it's genuine. not you. It's them. They have to do it. And did they come up with the vision of the company with you? or how? I mean, Simon Sinek talks about it's not what you do, it's not how you do it, it's why you do it. I guess what is your why for CJ Advertising and how has the team kind of embodied that? Well, I, 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 every company, I, I won't say some companies, it is a group effort. Others, you know, depend on the ego. If your ego is as big as mine, then, then it's my BHAG and my purpose. And I'm looking for people to help me reach that. Others may come up with that together. And it, and it doesn't matter which, as long as there is one. Our purpose is growing brands and growing people. We, we care as much about uh, internally how our people grow. We want CJ, uh, the opposite of the early comment I made, we want CJ advertising to look good on people's resume. I believe in this town, if you go somewhere and say, I've worked at CJ for any length of time, then you're a trusted soul as opposed to who the hell is that? And so we, we're about growing people and about growing brands. And we talk about that all the time. Our BHAG is, is to have 100% win-win relationships with our clients that, that they and we both feel 100% great. We have long, long-term advertising relationships. Our average client's about 10 years. Um, and so it's a big, big deal. But we, we never want to feel like a vendor and we never want them to feel like we're not uh, absolutely working towards their their growth. Outstanding. So that that's unique for us. Everybody's different. Now I, I can imagine you guys are growing your people so much. You're growing everything you do. You have a great purpose, but still sometimes people are leaving. I mean, with any company, why do they leave such a company that has an amazing culture? Because I think you can work so hard to give everything for your employees, and still yeah. after some time they leave. Why are you seeing that? Three three reasons. One, and and one is opportunity. Like I, we cheer for people that leave because they can they can go work for some they can go do something they they want to do and but we can't yet do for them and we cheer and we pat them on the back and we and we we even send a gift to their new workplace uh, to congratulate them on the move. Number two, life happens. Babies are born. People move. Spouses have changes of relationship. Parents uh, become a, a, a question mark. All these things happen. Life happens, and we celebrate all those things as well. It, it, every time someone leaves in our company, we remind them there's someone else is going. Oh my gosh, I I get a new job. Like I get promoted. I get to try things I've never tried before. Uh, and so they they the first one is they they have an opportunity. Second is life happens. And the third thing is that sometimes, even though we spend a lot of time trying to make the right hire and people work hard, it's just not a good fit. Like we finally figure it out, sometimes in three months, uh, sometimes in three years, but it's just not a good fit and that's okay too. It sounds like it doesn't actually hurt culture. It actually can help culture when people are leaving. It it can and and, it, and it's not, I mean, of course, ten, we, we recognize tenure. So, so in a big way, the, the longer someone's I think in a job uh, or growing in a company, the more value they can bring to the table. Uh, and so we're huge at, at, at reward, recognizing and rewarding that. But people don't stay for that recognition and reward. We were, we recognize and reward it because I feel like I owe that to that individual for giving so much over the years. Outstanding. Now let's shift it a little bit, go in the opposite direction. You talk about what you're doing to build the culture. How does someone find this amazing culture? 
Uh, as a team member? Or just, no, just anyone else, any person out there that wants to find a culture like yours, how would they go about finding it? Well, I, I'm going to use, uh, repeat what I've said earlier, which, you know, the old joke is there's, there's four, there's four seagulls sitting on the dock and, and uh, three decide to leave and how many are left. And the, and the easy answer is one, but the right answer is, is they're all four still there because deciding to leave and leaving are two different things. Building, deciding you want a great culture and talking about having a great culture is one thing. Building a great culture takes a commitment that starts with you or finding the right culture takes a commitment. You can stay uh, at a place you're not happy as long as you want, or you can leave and start seeking out what really fits you as soon as you want. And I just believe in action. I believe in doing it wrong until you get it right. What's something that's held you back for being successful, Arnie? Myself. I mean, every company, right? Every company is limited by the, by the, at the top. The CEO limits the growth of, of the plumber who's too scared to hire an assistant to the, some of the largest companies you and I both are familiar with. But it's limited by how big the CEO's uh, uh, mind and ego are. And, and that's what limits me. I'm a, I'm a great uh, mid-sized company guy, founder. You're right, founder means partly crazy. Uh, president <laughs> means just enough power to screw things up. And so I limit our growth all the time, as as others as other leaders do. Uh, and I'm I'm so envious of folks that can do it um, in a better way than I do. But we all limit our own growth. Is there any way to trump that to get better at that? I think I'd rather just recognize it and, 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 you know, wallow in it a little bit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just everyone's different. Everyone's different. Well, it's self-awareness. And at least yeah. if you're aware, you're much further along than everyone else. All right, Arnie. I want to go to the final four and finish with this and then a little extra innings. So the final four, what's one thing you have done differently in your life that's made you successful? Read, copy. Uh, not, not, uh, not at all take, be at all embarrassed of the fact that we R and D rip off and duplicate so many good things, uh, attend conferences. Don't, you know, uh, listen to speakers, take great ideas. Uh, don't think that, that getting in a box will help me figure it out. It's the opposite of that. So it's, it's, it's reading and learning. Exactly. Beautiful. What do you think makes someone stand out in business and in life? Uh, confidence. I, I think that, um, and we, we preach it all the time, uh, look people in the eye, uh, have a great handshake, be willing to engage. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't be an extraordinarily successful introvert, but there are times in your life where you've got to shine, you've got to stand out, and body language says it all. Outstanding. The best advice you've ever received? The turtle wins the race. Uh, the turtle wins the race. You can you can hop around. You can make a bunch of fancy noises. You can dot com bubble. Uh, you can do a lot of things, but slow and steady wins. Be the turtle. Outstanding. And final final question for the final four: How do you want to be remembered? Uh, making a difference. Uh, making a difference uh, for for individuals, uh, for companies. Um, without him, this wouldn't have happened. Uh, to have influence, those kind of those kinds of words. Outstanding. All right, final little crazy questions. It's the extra innings. You never know what's going to be thrown at you. Uh, first, before I ask this first question, I want to preface uh, 
that you gave an amazing gift to me with the shirts, the books, and the best cookies I've ever had in my life. So I know that you've given lots of gifts in your job, but what's the best gift you've ever received? Ooh, now there's a material answer and, and then perhaps a spiritual answer. Uh, I'll, I'll first answer with material answer is is anyone that, that uh, will buy me a nice bottle of scotch. Uh, that's a great thing. Uh, and I've and I've got certain scotches I love and some I don't like so much. So to take the time and to figure it out, uh, that's always fun. And so that's and it's easy. Uh, uh, spiritually, um, you know, the, it, it, it's a it's a cliche answer, but I worship, uh, love, and appreciate uh, my wife for uh, for many things. Uh, but the kids uh, that we've had and watched uh, be successful has just been a remarkable, remarkable thing. Outstanding. The best restaurant experience you ever had. Ooh, uh, I'm a big fan of the Palm for a big, juicy, really expensive steak. But there's a there's a cool little uh, t- uh, taco place here in Nashville, um, uh, Moss Taco over in East Nashville. Uh, it's, it's a damn good taco. Uh, and so depending on what you appreciate, uh, those are two very opposite, but good answers. All right. Crazy one here. If you could come up with a new holiday celebrated around the world, what would it be? Ooh, new holiday. Uh, it'd be worth doing wrong day. <laughs> you know, it, it would be a day when you're, you're just reminded that that the path forward isn't always the perfect answer. The path forward uh, is getting lost in a city. Uh, the path forward is not using your GPS. The path forward is discovering the undiscovered. Great. If you could have just one book, what would it be? Oh, God, that's a hard one. <laughs> the the extra got, innings is tough. I uh, know. I got top five for by category, but <laughs> you know, the, 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 the one book um, – well, I'm I'm a huge fan of outliers just because I think you can discover so much through through data and through finding things that don't match up. Uh, Who the hiring book? There's none better. Short, easy read for making your interview process better, um, which is a, which is fantastic. Um, and and death by meeting. Uh, it's just it's almost you. I don't know how people run a business without reading it and understanding those concepts. Brilliant book. Final question, extra innings. What is one moment that you think you'll never forget? One moment that, that I stands think I'll out never for you. Forget. One moment that well, stands out. It, this is this is where I transfer on your question into a braggable moment. But uh, this this past summer, my. Uh, 18-year-old daughter uh, travel team won the national championship in soccer. She was the uh, goalkeeper. She they won the national championship. She won the Golden Gloves. Uh, it was a multi-multi-year journey of training and travel and competition, and to see her reach that level of success was mind-boggling. You're beyond proud, I'm sure. Oh my gosh! I almost started crying just then. Oh, that's outstanding. Well, Arnie, it was a pleasure having you on the Find Your Yellow Tux podcast. I'll tell you, Worth Doing Wrong is one of the best business books I've ever read. The Better Book Club has tremendously helped our business, and I know hundreds of others. How else can people connect with you? Uh, I'm, I'm the easiest found man in the world. My, mo- my, my mobile phone is, is on my every website you find me on. Easy email, Arnie at cjadvertising.com. Uh, don't hesitate uh, unless you're selling me something. Uh, and then you likely should find someone I know first. Arnie, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, Jesse. Fun talking to you. Definitely. 
Thanks for listening to the Find Your Yellow Tux podcast. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and please leave a review. It would mean the world to me and it will help spread the gospel of the Find Your Yellow Tux podcast. You can also check out more crazy information at findyouryellowtux.com. And until then, stop standing still, start standing out.